Welcome to Resilience Unraveled. Hi everybody and welcome to Resilience Unraveled, a podcast that examines all aspects of personal and organisational resilience. A huge all-encompassing subject that covers the ability to thrive in life by harnessing your cognitive, emotional, physiological and contextual abilities. I share stories from people who have thrived despite remarkable obstacles, as well as highly successful practitioners and experts across a range of topics. And this podcast introduces their amazing stories and expertise, as well as my own reflections, perspectives, strategies and tips, which come from my own synthesis of themes and trends from wider learning. You can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and eBooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Space Unraveled. So, let's get started. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome back to Resilience Unraveled. I always enjoy the sound of the recording in progress noise on Zoom. She's very friendly, isn't she, Paul? She is. She is. <laughs> and tonight I'm joined by Paul, Paul Denniston. And uh, we've got really quite a fascinating subject on our hands and um, something that I'm quite passionate about. And um, we've had other guests talking about this subject, but Paul has a specific expertise in a particular area. So I think we want to start broadly talking about yoga and then we're going to get into your particular uh, ballywick, if that's right, Paul. But first of all, hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Russell. Thanks for having me on. And where are you in the world tonight? I am in the world of Los Angeles. <gasps> Fantastic. Yes, yes. So it's um yes, it's blue skies. So uh, we're we're coming into fall, so it's a little cooler weather. <sighs> right. <laughs> so I'm now totally dispirited. <laughs> but it's lovely. Thank you for joining us all the way from Los Angeles. That's um some you're probably at the beginning of your days, we're at the end. So um, it is, that's, that's right. Yeah. We'll be you're gonna be bright and breezy and I'm gonna be rattled and exhausted. <laughs> so then let's get going. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is that you do, Paul? Yeah, so I am a yoga teacher that specializes in learning how to move through grief. Um it could also be many different other challenging emotions, uh, whether it be anger or anxiety. I created a practice that's called Grief Yoga that blends together yoga, movement, breath, and sound to transform whatever pain and struggle to connect to more empowerment and love. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm a great believer in yoga and recommend yoga. and. Um, but I've never done it myself, actually. And I know that's a, a terrible thing. I just I just haven't done it. Um, but, but one of the things that I've always uh, slightly unsure about is there are so many different types of yoga. So could you take us through the sort of types of yoga there are or, um, you know, why there are different types and then maybe talk a little bit about where you specialize? Absolutely. Well, let me tell you the, the different types of yoga that I'm a teacher of and how it all blends together with this particular practice. So there's there's a Hatha yoga uh, focuses on holding postures and breathing. It helps to quiet the mind. It helps with stability and balance. Uh, there's another type of yoga that's called vinyasa flow. It's really where you're kind of breathing and flowing from one posture to another, almost as if it were like a meditation in motion. Um, 
Another type of yoga that I teach is called Kundalini yoga, which uses different types of breath work and kriyas and postures to uh, cause uh, powerful transformations. Uh, there's a practice that I uh, teach that's called restorative yoga that's really a gentle practice to help to stretch um, and gently kind of release tension and anxiety. A uh, great way to restore. Uh, I teach another practice that's called laughter yoga mm -hmm. that blends laughter techniques uh, to help facilitate more joy. And so as I became a teacher in all of these practices, um, I really realized that a lot of the times why I was going to a yoga class was to help deal with my challenging emotions, uh, anxiety, grief. And so I created this practice that's called grief yoga, which really is a blend of all of those yogas into one with the specific intention of how to release the pain to... Um, yeah, to find more empowerment and love. So it's just a, it's just a, a unique blend. Uh, I basically created a class that I would want to take. Yes, that's a good idea. Uh, and before we go into the grief yoga, if you don't mind, um, could I unpack the laughter yoga a little bit out? Because I've seen um, laughter classes and such like. Could you just, could you talk a little bit more about that? Totally. Um, so. It's basically a mixture of laughter exercises right. and it's blending with yoga, stretching and breathing. Now, here's the thing um, with humor. Everybody has their own specific take on humor. What you might think is funny. I might not think is funny, but these are generated for laughter exercises that can help to release endorphins from the brain. It can help to um, uh, breathe deeply. Uh, it's a space to facilitate more happiness. But the reason why I bring it into a grief yoga class, let's say, is, is because it's a fine line between laughter and tears. And so the amazing thing that laughter can facilitate is laughter also helps the free flow of emotions to move through. And so a lot of the times as I incorporate laughter techniques and exercises, the body can't tell if laughter is real or fake. So a lot of the times at the beginning of these, uh, I, I, it's either a fake laugh um, because the body can't tell. And what, you know, laughter can also start to become contagious to where then it really allows, um, you know, the healing benefits to happen, especially with, with uh, suppressed feelings that we have beneath the surface. Absolutely fascinating. And I've, and I've seen this work in myself, and it's, it, it is actually amazingly cathartic. It has, you know, medical effects on the vagus nerve and such like, doesn't it? It's, it, 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 it has a point. I don't know some people say, oh, that's just learning to laugh, but it's not. It's the, it's the physiological process of stimulating that response, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of the times, too, when incorporating this, I will actually invite people to, you know, because it's a little uncomfortable at first when people start to do it. So I'll actually also invite them to say, whatever you're feeling inside right now, use laughter to move it through. It could be a little bit of an un uncomfortable laugh, like, <laughs> or it could be an angry laugh. Um, it's interesting, as I was going through this training too, um, I was dealing with a lot of anticipatory grief because my, my sister was dying and I was having a hard time moving through some of the suppressed feelings that I was holding on to. And so as I was doing the work and the training, I was like, I don't feel like laughing, but I'm going to connect to whatever it is that I'm feeling, which was anger and sadness. And I'm going to 
laugh with that and it gave me the release that I was seeking and needing that allowed me to then be more present with my sister dealing with her loss because I had done the work that I needed to do to move some of those challenging emotions through. Mm. Absolutely fascinating. As, and, you know, I, uh, it, it's interesting is that the, the move has been towards the, the, the psychology professions, physiotherapy and um, psychotherapy and such like. But this idea of building the physiology back into the process, it's, it's so important in trauma treatment and uh, and it's fascinating to see you um, use it in grief because actually sometimes we don't have the words cognitively to be able to express what it is that is our issue. It's, but it's, it's the body, I think, as the old phrase goes, the body keeps the score. So having a physiological answer seems to be the seems to be quite a fascinating way of doing that. Absolutely. And as I work with many people who have experienced and dealt with trauma, I think the first step in the process is to start to just become aware of the present, aware of the body, aware of the breath, ways to befriend the body and find gentle ways to to move the body, to stretch the body, um, because what will, what the next step is, is is about expression. And again, as you said, a lot of the times we might not have the words to express uh, the, the 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 pain, the hurt, the anger, the rage, whatever that is. And so within this practice, I'm using sound, the vibration of the voice, to start to move the pain through. So we don't have to have the words to articulate it. But, you know, it's interesting, I spent so many decades trying to run away from the pain that within this practice, I was like, you know what, what if we actually channeled the struggle and the pain and used it as fuel for healing? Because we're holding on into it within our body. The body remembers mm-hmm. the pain and the trauma and the, the, the issues are, are in our tissues. And so it's, it's possible in a compassionate space to, to move the pain through um, so we don't have to hold it on inside. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I don't know if you coined the phrase "the issues and the tissues," but if you didn't, I'm stealing that. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. I did not coin it. I'm not sure who did. No, but I, I please pass own it. it along. Own it. <laughs> so, so tell me more about grief yoga then. Um, what, what was your, uh, where, where, you know, what was the motivation behind this, and 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 what is that? What, so tell me all about it, basically. Yeah, you know, I just became fascinated as a yoga teacher how creating intentions for the class. And, uh, you know, as I was dealing with my own, you know, seeking peace, dealing with anxiety, and I would go into these yoga classes a lot of the times wanting it for my physical well-being. And then I was realizing that, oh, my gosh, there's so much beneath the surface here. Um, and uh, I, it, I really, you know, became fascinated. I, again, I spent so many decades trying to run away from it that because the heart of what yoga is about is about compassion, it allowed me to soften with the struggle and the pain. It allowed me to be present with it because right. I started to realize that I was spending so much time either in the past or in the future and that there was a there was a curiosity I started to, to develop about where is this pain in the body? You know, where am I holding it? And I think we all hold it in different ways. You know, mm. y- there's the term of broken heart syndrome, and we can literally feel it in our chest. So, we can so have not yes. So sorry to jump in because actually it's it's worth actually doing this a bit more detail because I think people find this hard 
this idea of holding pain in the body. So, yeah. I, I mean, is there any, I, I know there is, but it'd be useful for you to explain the sort of validity of this idea. Because I think a lot of people just think that's woo-woo in a way, don't they? So I think what we've been taught is that specific emotions, we judge them, right? Sadness. For me, I grew up in Texas. Sadness was, you know, considered a form of weakness. Don't cry. Just go do something about it. Anger. We judge anger. We feel like it's it's a it's there's a dangerous quality to it. Maybe it, it, it can overwhelm us. So I think because we judge specific emotions, what can happen is, is that they become pent up inside of us. And uh, what can happen then is, is the anger can turn within and we can be beat ourselves up. We can we can be harder on ourselves or take, for instance, for my father, uh, he would just boil inside of him like a boiling teapot and then explode. And it would be frightening to witness. So when I saw it, when I when I'm sharing about pain in the body, I recognize that we can have physical pain in the body. But it also can be a manifestation of what we're suppressing. Like take, for instance, as I've worked with someone who, whose child has died, they felt it in their, their spine, their back, their lower back. It was, it was difficult. They, they were, and part of that, I think, too, is we're constricting, we're holding on. You know, there's a sense of tension that happens there. For myself personally, I feel like sometimes I have the weight of the world on my shoulders. It's like I hold it all up in my shoulders and in my neck. Other people can hold it into their body by grinding their teeth at night, and that can be a manifestation because they're not expressing what it is that they want or they need, and so they hold it within their throat, and it manifests by, by grinding the teeth. Um, I think that, that grief brain is a natural thing that happens. We're, we're trying to process, or within trauma, we're trying to process what happened. Um, you know, or, or even just dealing with the, it in my body. Oh gosh, something's going wrong with my body. Now what? And it's, it's, it's a little bit of an inquiry about, no, I've gone through a loss. I've gone through a trauma. What happened? And so how can I be present with it? And how can I instead begin to move with it to allow it to move through? Hmm. Interesting. Yes, I like that. I think, um, and that, does that sound woo woo to you? Well, no, no, and I, and I, you know, I'm on the same page as you. I mean, I've seen the work that Serpa do around linking pain to trauma in the body. So, you know, it's, I think, I think sometimes it's the metaphorical nature of it that sets people's teeth on edge. But you know, but the way you've explained, you know, explained it, it makes a lot of sense. We do grip on in our, in the relevant parts of the body to the issues that exist. So, so where do we hang on to grief on the health? A lot of the times right within the chest. I think that, you know, gr here, grief is really love. And I can choose, if I choose to not grieve in this life, then, then a part of me chooses in a way to not love. And so what can, where the grief can live a lot of the times is right within the chest, especially a lot of unresolved grief. Sometimes I notice sometimes where the shoulders can begin to cave in to protect a, a wounded heart. I think grief uh, is an expression of anger. Anger is sadness as bodyguard. And sometimes we can feel a churning within our stomach, knots within our stomach, because uh, uh, the grief can live within our stomach, feeling like we've lost control. 
grief can live in our pelvis. We carry a lot of suppressed emotions within our pelvis. It can come to from, from, from sexual trauma. Um, so there's a lot that we can that lives in the pelvis. So the, the truth of the matter is, is that grief can really live literally anywhere in the body because everyone grieves differently. And there's no one right way to grieve. It's all specific to, to who we are. And it just goes to show you that it, it manifests in different areas of the body too. Mm, interesting. Uh, so, mm, interesting. Uh, I, I'm just-, just Where do you hold, can you, can you uh, I'm curious, where do you feel like you hold grief or pain in your body? Um, I'm not sure I hold any grief in my body, actually, to be honest with you at the moment. I was, I was just, I was just listening to what you said, and I was trying to think of a very insightful question and failing, as you saw, quite dismally. Where do you um, hold pain in your body? Uh, back. In your back? Mm. Gotcha. Is it a lower back or yeah. mid-back or up? Just yes. Yeah. Right. And um, a lot of that also has to do with, I think, that, 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 that there's, a, there con there's a constriction that happens and uh, our, our spine can get very tight and rigid. Um, and so that can be a manifestation within that. I, I think a lot of people that I, uh, I work with um, deal it within their, their spine and in their back. Um, and I think that's a normal thing. And, and that's one of the things that I do within the first step is, is ways to gently move the spine with the breath to begin to open and to create that space. Yes. So are you, are you helping people find closure to the grief process or are you helping people enable to go through the grief, grief, pro, grief process more smoothly? Because it is a normal process. And I see you brought the Kubler-Ross. So you know, her ideas were about not getting stuck or, and, and coming out the other end almost, weren't they? Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily necessarily believe in closure, to be honest with you, within the grief process. Again, coming back to that philosophy, like if I'm choosing to love, then grief is a part of the process. So I think that, you know, each day is different. Um, I think that uh, there is there is no closure here. I think that there's a, there's the space to where we can be with and move with the loss, the grief. I think that one of the steps that I do focus on is is the in is within this process is evolution too, where how have we changed after the loss? How how is my life different? How am I different after loving them? So I I do think that um, there is no sense of closure. I think sometimes within time things can become easier, um, but uh, it's it's part of this life experience and process mm. so yeah so do people come to you because they're going through grief or people coming to you because they have a physical manifestation or are they coming to you because of a different reason they're coming because they're struggling they're they're, they're coming to me because they're dealing they're, there's a heaviness of feeling loss there's a lack of feeling maybe there's a a, a feeling of hopelessness that can sometimes happen. There can be a feeling of, of rage and anger from betrayal. Um, they're, they're coming because they recognize that they are, are struggling and they, they, they recognize that their body is, is telling them that something needs attention. You know, here's the thing. A lot of times people are coming because they're in pain and the pain demands expression. 
Yeah. Um, the pain can be our teacher and our warning sign to help us to see what's wrong and to, to begin to, to work with it. So uh, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are just coming because they're, they're seeking to either remember more with love or to find a, a deeper path toward peace. So that's interesting, isn't it? The, um, and I may have picked this up incorrectly, so forgive me. Are you saying grief is one process or different processes? So, for example, a relationship loss would be different to a bereavement loss. I suppose that's where I was coming from, the closure side, on the relationship side. Are you, uh, so just unpack that, maybe, if you would. Yeah, I think that, that, that grief comes from a place of loss, and loss can look in many different ways. It can be, we've certainly experienced so much loss, even just within this pandemic, you know, the loss, it can be specific to the loss of a loved one. Yeah. It can be the loss of even just the dreams of what you thought were going to be. Um, it can be the grief of like, I was supposed to have a wedding and now I can't have a wedding. The grief can look like my relationship has ended. The grief can be um, my, my, my partner betrayed me and uh, I'm feeling angry. Uh, the grief can come from a sense of um, disappointment of like my body isn't performing the way that it used to. Um, and so uh, a grief can come from many different uh, aspects of, of change and loss. And you're, and you're saying on your website um, that grief can be like a collective thing as well, which is why people ex experience grief when, say, a famous person dies. Absolutely, absolutely, because that person, you know, uh, touched us, and um, you know, I was—I uh, actually was just—I—I uh, I was having dinner with William Shatner, Captain Kirk, uh, like a week ago, and I, I expressed to him and talked to him about how, you know, when you when you die, people will grieve your loss, even though you might not have—they might not have ever met you—and mm. it's really because you know, we've been touched by the specific person. And so, you know, uh, that loss can happen even when you, when you haven't met them. Yeah. And I, I do think that uh, we can absolutely experience collective loss. And I think that's been very representative of even just what we're going through within this, this pandemic. Um, we, we certainly also, I mean, felt like we experienced it here in, in the U.S. when, when, uh, September 11th happened. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yes. I think I think I think the collective grief, the collective unconscious, I think is is rarely acknowledged. Actually, I think uh, Jung had it right when he talked about this idea of this because we're such social animals with all these mirror neurons. We do pick these things up from people, don't we? Absolutely, and 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 it's become challenging too because grief needs to be witnessed, whether it's within ourselves or within others. And so a lot of the times, you know, especially within this collective grief of, you know, we we haven't been sometimes been able to go to funerals. Um, and so there is that, you know, and I believe funerals are really more for the living than they are for the dead. And uh, and and it's 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 a healing thing to have our grief and loss witnessed. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's 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 healing for it to be witnessed by another person. Um, and by ourselves, but um, yeah, I feel like we we've lost a little bit of that um, during this time. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So, uh, Paul, um, your website's called griefyoga.com. 
and on it you can find all sorts of things about classes and training and but I, I see you're also writing a book do you want to tell us a bit about that yeah i wanted to uh i wrote a book and it's called healing through yoga transform loss into empowerment and it really goes through the cycle that i that i mirror within these class experiences and really it's just a pathway through loss through struggle and uh, it takes a cycle of compassionate transformation of awareness of where we're stuck in the body awareness of how to move the body in a safe and gentle way expression focuses on using movement breath and sound to channel pain through connection is flowing meditations to help us to remember with more love and our reflections of love gratitude and grace Surrender is a way to learn how to relax the body, to soften, to stretch. And then evolution focuses on, on techniques using movement, breath, and sound to tap us into perseverance, play, and purpose as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. Um, I think I'll be adding this to my book list. Uh, how, do I, how do I get my paws on one? <laughs> get your paws on it. Um, well, you can first off find it at griefyoga.com. And if you pre-order the book, um, there's a free online companion course that will support the book experience. So you can find that on griefyoga.com or you can go right to healingthroughyoga.com. And I'm guessing, is the book out? Is it, or is it still The book will be coming out January 18th. Fantastic. Okay, so depending on when this podcast goes out, it'll either be out or nearly out. So we'll, <laughs> we'll aim to um, sh um, synchronize that a little bit. I think that might be quite useful. Um, Paul, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And I think um, you've really opened, hopefully, everybody else's eyes as well as mine to this idea of how you know, the yoga process and the breathing process actually is part of, you know, the, the love process, really. And I think that's a, a, a really sort of graceful and elegant way of thinking about grief. And it, and it sort of, it sort of, it sort of assumes grief as instead of being something that's a negative thing, it's just, it's just part of life, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I really believe that, that your grief matters because your love matters. Yeah. And to, to recognize that a lot of the times when we're in struggle, we're up in our head. And to just remember how the body holds so much. And there's a powerful tool within the body that we can use to literally, as what yoga teaches us, bring a union of the mind and the body to lift the spirit couldn't say more than that you've been a joy to talk to paul thank you so much for spending time with us today griefyoga.com of course is a website and the book details can all be found there thank you so much for spending time with us paul thank you russell you take care hi everybody i hope you found that episode useful and interesting feedback is always welcomed and if you're in the mood to subscribe to us or even leave a comment on itunes or stitcher that would be amazing if you want to suggest ideas or even people you would like me to interview, then reach out to us at qedod.com forward slash contact. As I said earlier, you can go to qedod.com forward slash podcast for show notes or follow the links. And you can go to qedod.com forward slash extras to access offers, tools and resources, including free articles and ebooks. For those of you that would be interested in supporting our work and contributing more proactively, 
you can find our new Patreon page at patreon.com. Then search for Resilience Unraveled. I look forward to being in your ear next time around. Take care.